Our New Testament reading today is from Luke 23. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus. There with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. They cast lots to divide his clothing, and the people stood by watching, but the leaders scoffed at him. He saved himself. I say, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also mocked him and came up and offered him some sour wine, saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Once upon a time, there were two kings. There was one who reigned with an iron hand and the other a maybe thundering velvet hand. There was one who proclaimed peace and raised taxes for the peacekeeping forces. And, and then there were, was the other one who proclaimed peace and gave it. There's, in the one kingdom, the haves and the have-nots kind of separated. The haves didn't even know they were the haves, and the have-nots were oppressed, sort of like in our Old Testament reading today. In the other kingdom, the have-nots were seen for who they were, not for have-nots. And the haves kind of got mad and felt threatened. In the one kingdom, this king claimed to be the good news, and the other kingdom, he was the good news. One wielded power, and the other one embodied power even sneaking into his kingdom through a feed trough, a manger. So we have this tale of two kings, very different kingdoms. Can you sense it? One had a set of rules that, um, that led to what it was. The other had a different set of rules. It was one thing to be a citizen in one of those kingdoms and another thing to be a citizen in the others. Well, you may have guessed by now that the first king that I'm talking about is Caesar Augustus, not the U.S. And the second king is Christ, the one who upended the whole system with love. He was crucified, but love had the final word. Today is Christ the King Sunday in the church calendar. The church calendar, this is the last Sunday of the year in the church calendar. Next Sunday starts the season of Advent, and we look forward to Christ's coming. This is the time when we remember that Christ reigns. Christ reigns. If you ever wondered if Christ reigns, just look at the church. Because if he didn't, we wouldn't be here. As messed up as the church is, I don't mean this church, this church is perfect, but the church has been for many years messed up, and it wouldn't have made it till now, y'all. 
It is an institution that is holy. It is God's body in this world, Christ's body in this world. So if Christ reigns, then maybe we need to know what it takes to make sure that we really are a citizen in that kingdom. You know, it's been a difficult two weeks in the life of our nation and after the election. The nation is divided and there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of, of um, kind of power struggles and stuff going on. People are anxious. And, and it seems like it's, you know, it's just kind of de delaminating. I mean, the layers of our, of our culture just kind of pulling apart. Um, but there is good news, and we need to know it and dwell there. And the news is that Christ reigns. Christ reigns. And, and in the midst of that, we see these stories. We hear stories on news, and you can say, oh, well, there's, that's the news. I, they're going to report what they're going to report. But as we kind of get out of our bubble, bubble if, if you know people that aren't in upper, middle, white class, and you've heard them talking, you may hear stories like these two that I heard this past week. One is about a student who's number five in one of our Richardson schools, and she has to quit school and her academic competitive team, which she is a leader of, because her family has received threats this last week and they feel like they have to go back to their homeland. It's a crazy time in our country right now. Another is a friend of Canyon Creek that the son has received threats at Plano East. And the dad, who is Muslim, is so... Um, fearful that he will not travel to go see his in-laws who are dying. It's a crazy time. It's, it's, a, it's a weird time. And, you know, as a chaplain, I'm a chaplain, they, they teach us to walk alongside the patient, to listen to the patient, to, to, to find out where the patient is. And if the patient is the U.S., then the patient is sick right now. <laughs> we're hurting and we're torn. And so it's good to listen to the patient. Don't, don't turn away from stories. Try to meet the person that's telling the story where they are. Christ reigns. It's good news. And he has risen, he has defeated hatred, death. And if we are to be God's kingdom in this world, maybe we need to look at what that looks like anew today in this context. Now, there are the rules of the land, and there's the rules of the kingdom, Christ's kingdom. The laws of the land are pretty much based on the Ten Commandments, right? Moses cameo is, is 
over the Speaker of the House and the House Chambers, and, and we aren't supposed to kill and we aren't supposed to, um, to lie or cheat or steal or covet. They're, that's pretty much our, our rules of this land. The law of God's kingdom, Christ's kingdom, where he reigns is, what do you think? Is what? Is love. Love your neighbor. Yes, thank you. Love your neighbor. Um, you know that. What I want to do today is look at um, what I see as kind of unwritten rules of the land that we ought to look at. In our Declaration of Independence, we are um, we claim certain inalienable rights. One of those is the right to pursue happiness. And if you look at that, what that looks like in our land, happy are those who are wealthy, happy are those who have big houses and really cool cars and the newest iPhone. Um, in Christ's kingdom, happier are the poor. For theirs is the kingdom. In, in our culture today, you know, happier those who get to go to the Brazilian steakhouse, I'm talking about myself, and, um, and eat skewer after skewer of amazing meat that is just, I mean, it will, it will just fill every, um, every hunger that you have. In Christ's kingdom, happy are those who hunger, for they will be filled. Our culture, it's, we are happy if we are pain-free. You go and you look at any Walgreens or CVS, there are about two or three aisles. You can be pain-free. Um, in Christ's kingdom, happy are those who mourn, for they will be comfort comforted. It's a different kingdom, isn't it? In, in our culture, happier the powerful, the CEO, the one who made the top of that hill, the one who stays there, the Fortune 100. In Christ's kingdom, happy are the meek. They will inherit riches beyond any that we can imagine. It's the Beatitudes. You hear them, don't you? The unwritten laws of the kingdom of Christ are the Beatitudes. And they kind of unnerve us. They kind of mess with us. They're not really comfortable, are they? And yet, they are what Christ proclaimed. So as the church, as Christ's body, if we're going to bring the kingdom into our world, we got to wrestle with the Beatitudes. Sorry. When I think of one who wrestles with the Beatitudes and, and one who's no longer willing to just kind of set them over there and look at them as something that's kind of odd and different, um, I, I, I think of Elias Shakur. Elias Shakur. 
He is a Palestinian, a Palestinian Christian who grew up in Israel and he um, sat as a child on his mother's lap playing with her necklace, had fishes and doves on it, playing with her necklace as she said to him, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And Elias, that little child, grew up in mom's lap with the Beatitudes. And he thought, Jesus, why did you say this stuff? I don't really get it. And he didn't get how the poor could be happy or how the, how the people who mourn could be really gladdened. And, and he sure didn't get, what is the deal about being a peacemaker? Who is a peacemaker? And so he, he grew and um, played with Palestinians and Jews, Muslims, Christians, Jews, the whole scene right there in his little, little town of Bar-Am. And, I mean, they were buddies, you know? They got into trouble just like any other kids. Right across the barriers, right? And then 1948 came and Israel was to be made a state. And the Jewish, the rumors were that the Jewish army, the Israeli army, was going to be coming um, into their town. And so Elias and his big brother um, got a gun. And they told Dad, so we got a gun because, because there's people coming, they're invading our home. And, and their dad said, no, no guns. No. We are peaceful. These are our brothers. In fact, we're blood brothers because their father is our father, Abraham, and their God is our God, and we will have no guns. Guns, no. And the Israeli army came and banished the whole city from their homes and ultimately destroyed the city, never to be rebuilt. You can imagine the anger and the conflicted feelings in this little boy who was, on the one hand, he held these beatitudes, or these beatitudes kind of held him. And, and then there was this this violence and hatred and this injustice that he experienced, on the other hand. And so he grew trying to be a faithful young man. He ended up entering the priesthood and he became a, a, a Catholic priest in the Melkite um, Catholicism. And his first um, assignment, he was supposed to be go one month to this little broken church and you can guess where this is going. One month is what he had to do, just to, just to be with them until someone permanent came. Well, he's still there. But in that, in that time, 
He had people, this, is, this is, would never be Canyon Creek, but he had people on this pew and on that pew that hated each other because of stuff that had been done and baggage and all this stuff. And they were just, they were never going to go anywhere as the body of Christ. And, and he saw in them the hatred that he felt in himself for what had been done to him and his family. And he knew that he could be just as violent as the Israelis that took his land for the injustice that was done. And he said, forgive me, Father. From that point on, he was freed from the prison of hatred and unforgiveness. And he led that little broken congregation, warring among themselves, led them into reconciliation. They are still a vibrant, now a vibrant church. And from there, his ministry grew beyond the walls to, to the land that he lived in that was split and divided and damaged with violence and injustice for years. He had a vision of reconciliation and he created a school. It's called Mar Elias, Mount Elijah, um, and it's up on this up on this hill in Ibelin. And he created this school. And in that school, guess who's educated there? Palestinians and Jews. Muslims, Christians, Jews. All together, learning who each other is. And and. What these, what these people's stories are. I know my story, I don't know their story. So they learn each other's story. They begin to see through each, one's, each other's eyes. And re reconciliation begins to happen in a very broken place. In the Holy Land trip that we're taking in, in February, we're, one of the places we're going to visit is that school. And hopefully we'll be able to talk to Father Elias. But if you go to that school, there are stairs that go up to, to the sanctuary, to the chapel. And on each step, in Hebrew, Arabic, and English, the Beatitudes... Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Y'all, it is hard to hold the Beatitudes in one hand and daily life in the other. These guys know it. 
How many of your friends have been threatened in the last couple of weeks? There, there is stuff going on. To be about peace, to speak up and say, really, that's not where we have to go. We don't have to go to this hatred and divisiveness. We don't have to go to, to pushing people out. We're called to be the body of Christ. Christ reigns and we are the kingdom. So I wonder what it would be like if the church, well, if this church, if Canyon Creek, as we go out into the world, down our Mount Sinai steps, that we had, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness' sake, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the children of God. What if we, as we go down these steps into the world, dealing with, living the Beatitudes? Would God's kingdom come? Amen.